The Health, Wealth and Anything Else podcast, where we help you invest in your financial, physical and mental health so you can live an unlimited life. So this episode has something for everyone. It's our job every single episode to deconstruct the world of crypto to make sure it's safe and accessible for all. Also to tease out the learnings, lessons and tools that can be applied to live a happier, healthier and wealthier life. And this is another great episode. We talk about the great reset, making your own bone broth, getting more organ meat into your life, how much protein you need, and we discuss the protein question. Are protein bars and shakes better than optimal nutrition? We talk about the best protein sources, how to prep for a long day at work. We take a deep dive into passive income in crypto, crypto news, coin of the week, And our MED this week is all about how you can be making the best of your nutrition, regardless of your work schedule. Enjoy the episode. So next episode, here we are. Uh, The sound might be a little bit different to what you're used to because we are recording individually from our own homes. So our work schedules were too tight to allow us to be there in person. It was such a great time at our day job that we thought (laughs) we'd continue it into the evening, into the wee hours. Stay overnight. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> today at work, the guy said to you, you asked him about some tiles, and you said, the, are these tiles the same? He's like, oh, no, they're, they're more we. And you literally like, yeah, okay, got it, straight away, <laughs> a Scottish guy, yeah. He's like, no, they're more we. <laughs> <laughs> so I speak Scottish, I understood him. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start with, some questions we've got quite a few questions yeah we've got a fair few yeah i think a third of our audience asks questions (laughs) a third of our audience two people (laughs) 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 quality okay we'll start with what should we start with the crypto yeah let's start okay i've got got one there's one crypto question and two um health and fitness ones so Quality. people like you more than me, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but the, compl- the complexity are completely different. <laughs> You've got one really difficult question, like in a in a, an assessment. Yours is like a an eight marker. Mine are just two one markers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a very deep, very deep question today. So uh, be careful. So okay, my question is: if the Great Reset is true and world governments are talking about one world digital currency then do you think this kills the current crypto market i mean that's a deep question yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll try to not get too uh, political with it uh, or controversial <laughs> hold, hold your tongue <laughs> hold back <laughs> so i mean the first thing would be to say that obviously the great research thing is that's not uh a conspiracy to anything that's a real thing that's out there and it's talked about by world leaders a lot it's not a pie in the sky thing um and digital currencies are definitely being moved towards i actually tweeted about that this week a lot of people not maybe not a lot but a decent amount of people in crypto kind of falsely believe that all adoption is good so mainstream adoption of crypto and more people getting on board is good for crypto more people in it 
boost price, companies coming in, it expands it, takes it to bigger audiences. But CBDCs, which is central bank digital currencies, they are not a good thing. That's not adoption. That is governments seeing where things are going and attempting to get ahead of it by bringing out digital currencies so they still have control of your money instead of it being in cash. So overall, that's not a good thing for people. Um, it's definitely not bullish for crypto. So I did actually tweet about that this week. Um, I think it's hard to really tell what effect it would have. I think personally, in the long run, it could have some negative effect in the fact of people's money is going to be very controlled and they might be able to do less with it in terms of getting it in crypto. And obviously the aim of Great Reset is by 2030, we'll own nothing and be happy. So, I mean, you own crypto, so I don't know if that means that they're going to try and take that from everyone. I don't know. So I would say that I wouldn't take it as a positive thing, but we've probably got their aims by 2030 with there's eight years between now and then. I think there's a good opportunity to make a lot of money in crypto in the next few years, but beyond the next few years, who who knows what's going to happen really. I would try and maximize your profits in the next few years. And as I say a lot, take profits. You you could hold for the next four years and be massively up and then it could all come crashing down and you've not taken any profits and you lose. So definitely take profits as you go. Things like that we can't really account for. So I would say overall it could be negative very long term, but for the next couple of years, I wouldn't say it's a massive concern. I think the market will still do well. And that's pretty much my answer as I carefully navigated those eggshells. <laughs> you were like, you were literally like Marv in Home Alone. <laughs> Going past the Lego, past the little micro machines. Past the there was a nail, there's a nail on the stair. Dodge that. Foot, foot in the tar. Unlike Marv, handle. Unlike Marv, I dodged it all, so I actually caught, caught Kevin. So the film had a different ending. And what did you do to him? Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what's the next question? Okay, so I'll give you your first one. So this is from um, someone. They've said they've start, started to finally eat organ meats, but they're oh, nice. unsure, unsure how much beef or uh, beef liver should eat each week without vitamin A becoming a problem. Yep. And also, they've been making some beef bone broth that that is a tongue twister nice yeah yeah as, yeah. A, as a daily morning drink so that's uh that's pretty decent that's quality they need to share the recipe with us because yeah, i used to yeah. make i used to make bone broth i used to make it from so i used to make bone broth from the organic meat that i used to get from a company called athlete i think it was either athlete or no it was athlete and it was spelled okay. a like as in the leet, eat like the meat e a t yeah yeah and I used to whenever I'd order chicken on the bone or, or beef on the bone that's when <laughs> I was make myself a nice chicken bone broth or or beef bone broth and because I used vinegar to try and break down the the bone into absorbable aminos 
it would reek the house out massively. So my <laughs> missus effectively, my missus effectively put a, a quick, a quick fire and stop to that because it's it's like a twenty plus hour process to slow cook yeah. it. So fair play, fair play to you doing that. But yeah. let us know your recipe. In regards to organ meat, well done. It's it's a multivitamin. It's the healthiest food you could eat, in my opinion. It's so dense in micronutrition. We, if you didn't hear our podcast where we spoke about the modified carnivore diet, we we pretty much broke down how much nutrition you're going to get from just liver or kidneys or heart. My personal recommendation is that you don't need to eat it every day because you are getting a ridiculous percentage of your RDI in each serving. But remember. Those RDIs are for someone who doesn't exercise and is sitting on the sofa in a cold climate. So they're not sweating. The person that I know the person that's asked this question and he's in a hot climate. So I know it's a, a, a vitamin A is a fat soluble. Still, you if you're training hard, if you've got a lot of stress, if you're if you've got environmental stress as well, you're gonna secrete um a lot of that a lot of the mineral profile of it. So you haven't got to worry too much about um, hypertoxicity because if you're not eating it every day, but my, my serving suggestions, I would recommend that if you don't like the taste of it and, and it's something you find quite difficult to put into your nutrition, two servings of two, if you're eating chicken liver, two chicken livers twice a week, that's what I'd recommend or around about hundred grams of, of liver twice a week if you like the taste of it then i would probably have maybe a chicken liver or two chicken livers every every other day that's what i do i eat every day but i've got a high training load i've got a high stress load yeah so that's my two cents on organ meat and uh, i think i think personally the best way that you can cook and prepare and introduce more of it into your food is to chop it into small pieces and mix it into minces that's the easiest and most effective way to add it into foods three examples you're eating a risotto and you're having a seafood risotto you chop it into tiny little cubes i'm talking like this big just get some scissors out cut it all up chuck it into the into the risotto hardly noticeable second you're making a, a bolognese you you prepare the mince you do exactly the same process chop it into small sections throw it in there and then the third one, you're making a curry, prawn curry, do exactly the same. And that's three ways you've got organ meat into your nutrition without ha- having to sit and eat and taste the, it's quite, the way I describe it, you can taste the iron, you can taste the blood. Mm. So if, you, if, you're, if you're really not a fan of the taste, rather than trying too much to season it and put loads of extra salt and pepper and uh, herbs and spices and stuff, I feel it's just so much easier just to 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 chop it up and, and chuck it in. So that'd be my recommendation. The way I put, the way I personally eat it is in my flasks. I will have venison, and I will mash it up with the venison, and I'll have 150 grams of venison, probably about 100 grams of organ meat, mix them together, and then I'll add whatever else I'm adding. I might have sweet potato, rice. I might even have a bit of risotto with it. Might even have scrambled eggs with it, and put it all together, and it tastes beautiful. And then a bit of chicken stock or bone broth on top of it make it into almost like a like a broth or a soup or something like that yeah or just um yeah a stew kind of tasting thing is it's nice 
Decent. Just also for the people listening, the carpenter in me can't help coming out with this. About one to two centimetre size chunks, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought go, I thought you'd go for millimetres. Well, I did, but I don't want to confuse people, you know. Yeah. We have, yeah. To, we have to deal oh, with Oh, yeah, because I, I said that. I'm, yeah, I'm talking Yeah, you said like that big. That. With, your, yeah. with your finger. Yeah, I was like, well, some people Sorry, guys. Better. They might be like just chopping it in half. Like that. I think that's what Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, I go for chicken liver. And the reason why I go for chicken liver is the when you source your meat, it... You've got to try your utmost best to source it from responsible, organically fed, raised sources, farms that are practicing grass feeding, allowing animals to roam and forage. Because a lot of the nutrition that you get from the food doesn't actually come from the animal. It comes from the food that the animal's eating. So if the animal's eating soy, corn and wheat, that is going to transfer into your food. And that's what you're going to be eating. You might as well be eating wheat corn and soy mm. so they eat the the grass and they forage and then that's where we absorb their nutrients because they have a more complex microbiome and digestive system so they can absorb if we go out and eat grass we're not going to get the nutrients that they can extract <laughs> from them and absorb so the whole idea is that you want to go for livers that are less toxic than farm fed so if they're eating grass they're going to have better livers because your livers your kidneys your organs there that's what helps detoxify the foods that you eat that's why i go for chickens because ruminant animals if they're fed unnatural diet they're more likely to store more toxins in their livers and then it, it, it you can tell a liver that's got a lot of toxicity it's got a really bitter taste and i find that sometimes with beef livers they taste really bitter and they're not nice and it's not enjoyable to eat them whilst chicken livers i find that the taste like i said like i mentioned earlier isn't a bitter taste it's Mm. it sounds really grotesque but i can taste the blood that's what i can taste it's like iron like an irony taste so i will go for chicken livers they're so inexpensive they're like one of the least expensive forms of protein that you can buy you can buy 500 grams of chicken liver within that pack it's almost portioned for you like you can pull out a chicken liver and it's two it's almost like two sections attached to each other like that's one of their livers and then you just have two of those livers and that's how i'd measure out a serving for when i'm eating it and always make sure that you cook it up in organic tallow grass-fed suet which are beef fats or ghee which is the less allergenic version of butter so if you're someone who might have a slight intolerance or allergen to dairy then ghee is your alternative if you're struggling with ghee which i shouldn't think so suet or tallow are two great options as well decent cool okay we've got one more question for you which actually we can take a lot of advice from the answer you've just done apply it to this one i think so yeah uh, it's a question on what foods you would uh, recommend for someone with a busy lifestyle? Yeah. Um, so he's out of the house for 12 to 13 hours a day, has to meal prep lunch on the weekend, and then relies on shake, protein shakes, protein yogurts, and protein bars to get the protein. So is there any more natural or convenient sources of protein? Um, and then also how much to aim for? He, he's read that it's one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So then that's the yeah. 
Yeah, so this this could be a really complicated question to answer because we we've said it pretty much every week. Every single person is different, so it's hard to understand the context of where this person. Because if this person's Arnold Schwarzenegger asking us a question, he's going to have a completely different answer to yeah. Margaret Thatcher. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's two different people and it's two different... I understand that their their work commitments might be similar, but Arnold will need the protein for his adaption, whilst yeah. Maggie won't need the protein because she's not <laughs> looking to put on any muscle or anything like that. Yeah, um, there's not a, a blanket so, amount of protein yeah, per person you need. So what I'll quickly... I'll address the last bit of the question first with regards to how much protein do you need? And then we'll go back and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. me and you will kind of open it up about the quality over the quantity and yeah. not, it's not the food. It's what's been done to the food and stuff like that. So in regards to how much protein you need, <clears throat> this is going to be such a cop out answer, but it depends. And the reason why it depends is that I, I speak to you about this all the time. There's, there's no correlation between, building your body and longevity there's almost like an opposite correlation like the bigger you get or the more you go towards exercise for performance and aesthetics the further you get away from longevity there's igf one and there's mTOR and effectively high igf one is linked to things like cancer and the way that that's linked to cancer is it promotes cell growth so you'd want igf1 to build muscle but then you'd also wouldn't want igf1 to build cancerous cells and the way you would work around that is you would adopt a balanced approach so whenever you take in protein you um you spike igf1 it's a growth mechanism it helps cells to grow and multiply it's almost like you don't really want to focus too heavily on protein itself you want to balance out all of your nutrition so that you're allowing for different functions to happen in your body so we spoke about growth the other thing on the other side of that balance balance is longevity and that's the trade-off so when you're looking for longevity you're looking for your cells to turn over and repair so you what you want to happen is you want something to be called autophagy which is basically your cell dying and getting rid of. And the, when you want that to happen, if you've got a damaged cell, you don't want IGF to grow that cell because it will grow and grow and grow. And if it's damaged, that means it might then potentially become a tumour. And that's how IGF has, has been linked to cancer. It's not always important to constantly look to snack on protein or snack, have snacks. This is why sometimes I say snacks aren't that effective. Things like protein bars and protein shakes can be effective in certain situations but as a general snack during the day if you're not bodybuilding or you haven't got a high training load i wouldn't say that there's something that you need in your diet and your nutrition yeah and the reason for that is fasting which is periods of not eating can lower igf1 and it allows for autophagy it allows for cleansing and it allows for those those cells to turn over. And that's what me and you practice pretty much every day. We do fasting. Yeah. And the longer you spend not eating between meals, the more your body allows that process to happen. So it allows the balancing act to come back in. So IGF-1 comes down, allowing for you to turn over, create new healthy cells, 
And then it'll, it'll be things like making sure that your hormones are functioning properly and things like that. But there's a flip side to that coin. So this is where it's complicated. This is where I say it's so complex because it's not just, oh, high DF1 causes cancer. It doesn't cause cancer. It's accumulation of stress in regards to other lifestyle factors. Like what we said last week, if you're obese, if you're smoking, if you're heavily drinking, if you're not physically active, if you're unhealthy in other elements and you've got high IGF-1, then high protein diet is linked to all-cause mortality and cancer. But if you are not obese, if you are physically active, if you don't smoke, if you have a good lifestyle in regards to stress managing stress, optimizing sleep, and you have high protein diet, then it almost does the opposite. High protein diet is good for you then. So that's why I said it's so important that we understand who the person we're talking to is because if I'm saying go and have two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, which a lot of people say, that's usually geared towards the population of people that are training every day, lifting heavy weights, high training load, high stress, running on all cylinders. If I say it to someone who's not going to be training, they're quite sedentary, they're a smoker, a drinker, and then they're going out and they're, and they're also chucking loads of protein in their body. It's going to, it's going to cause um, an environment that's, that's not healthy for, for longevity and, and cell repair. So I hope that kind of answers the idea of the protein, how much and what do I need and stuff like that. So if you, if you really want personal advice, reach out to us. We're, we're happy to help you. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. also our eBooks we can use. Yeah. I, I was going to say that's kind of um, the benefits of having something like um, your app and, and the coaching and the personalized is that it's not a general thing. You know, on, on there, there's educational stuff about what you can eat, what you can replace, healthier options. But it doesn't say you have to eat this per day. You have to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's geared around you. Like you've asked me, you've said, you know, give me advice on things that I can do. I can apply and will work for me. Whereas you, it's not just a blanket thing that, oh, this worked for, say, me. So it should work for everyone else. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think you need that. Any any plan that is that is supposed to work for every member of the population that's it's it's not going to work <laughs> i know exactly that exactly that and and the thing is with regards to protein especially the people that are sharing this advice it's worked for them and it's so hard not to say this is what i do this is what i do this mm. is what i do because if someone's in a completely different situation to you it's not only that it won't work, it might be actually quite unhealthy for them to yeah. to do it. That's true, yeah. And I think yeah. people, like you said, it's hard not to say this is what I do. Because I think yeah. when people, especially if it's someone people look up to or someone they like the way they look, even if the person just says, look, this is what I do, the person automatically in their head will delete the <laughs> what I do bit and just read it as this is what you should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know, it's so true so true and I, I i have to bite my tongue so many times i'm like yeah but it, it wouldn't apply to this person because yeah i'm going out and i'm like lifting heavy weights and i'm breaking down muscle tissue and i need protein protein synthesis to happen and and i'm also fasting so i know that yeah i might have a protein shake or i might have a lot like 300 grams of venison that's got a ridiculous amount of protein in it but then I'm going to fast for 16 to 20 hours afterwards. So 
any mTOR or any kind of IGF or something like that is going to is going to significantly improve over that 24-hour period but for someone else they might be used to eating every two hours not fasting having a high protein diet stressed other things involved not sleeping properly got a newborn stuff like that and it's like my advice and then I'm telling them to exercise on top of that they've got a newborn and I'm telling them to exercise like Mm. that is just going to drive you into the ground it's going to do the opposite of what you think it's going to do for you Yeah. yeah definitely Cool. So should we move on to tackling protein bars and protein Let's move shakes? On to protein bars, one of your favourite subjects. <laughs> <laughs> I find it so hard. I find it such a hard because I understand. Like we were having a discussion before, and I understand that mm-hmm. for some people, it's not realistic to fry up like four eggs and some venison, or cook themselves some offal or something like that. It's that's not something that they. It, that they're used to doing they don't they don't mm. like cooking or they're, they're so in regards to that like i'm okay with protein bars that have organic quality ingredients if you can guarantee me if you say i'm going to make a protein bar from grass-fed whey collagen beef protein whatever and i'm going to add walnuts cacao nibs whatever i would say that's a great snack to have i'd say that's a great source of protein i would but it's the fact that every time i've ever looked at a protein bar in a shop there's so many ingredients and so many of them are just ingredients that i disagree with i find Mm. it so difficult to accept that it because the argument that i had the other day was someone said oh but it's it's 30 grams of protein i'm like it's not it's not 30 grams of protein to me like Mm. i wouldn't never have should we get should we, we've got a, we've got um a uh ingredients list here yeah yeah get should we get it up? up let's go through it just as a little uh point or two let's just say like back in the day years ago when we was working out we used to have protein bars um all the time yeah. too so it's we're not it's not we're not saying we're too good for protein bars it's just no definitely as, not. As, yeah. as you as you grow and you learn new stuff you realize that actually those things you did before weren't that great <laughs> yeah 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 and and it was like the whole idea of oh, I've got to get protein, I've got to get protein, I'm gonna I'm gonna deteriorate yeah. unless I get protein. So you've got ingredients. So you've got milk protein. It's a blend. So you've got calcium. Mm-hmm. You've got milk protein isolate, and you've got whey protein isolate. So there's not even a pure solid protein in my eyes. There. That's that's another point for it, isn't it? Like yeah, there's thirty grams yeah. of protein, but what quality is that protein? So let's just talk quickly about protein. So the best protein in my eyes is two best proteins, actually. Isolate means that the, the majority of that protein is going to be protein, not other things like milk sugars and irritants, basically. So yeah. if you have an isolate, it means it's most likely going to be 90% of the scoop is going to be protein, which is good. An even better, more premium version of protein is a protein hydrolysate and it's a concentration of isolate which some of the amino bonds have been broken or exposed to heat acids or enzymes so allows it's effectively pre-digested and what happens is this allows for a better absorption of the protein that you're drinking and it also means that there's less likelihood of any intolerances so you're going to more likely so say for example a protein isolate you might absorb, say, 60%, 70%, 80% of it. The 
hydrolysate, you're more likely to absorb up to maybe 80 to 100% or 80 to 90% of it. So it's slightly more expensive, but if you've got maybe an intolerance or Mm. you're worrying about the quality of protein, that's the one you'd have to go for. So back to this ingredients list, we've got so many things. There's polydextrose, which is a sugar. Dextrose Mm. is a sugar. Gelatin. A lot of these are going to be... So look, you can see there's a hydrolysate in there. It's a gelatin hydrolysate. There's Mm. soy protein. And there's also soy lecithin as well. And they use soy lecithin emulsifier. So they use a lot of this stuff to either make it taste better or make it last longer. Yeah. So you've got it. It says says about natural and artificial flavors. Yeah. So this is the thing that I really, I always judge a food based on the amount of ingredients and the fact that that had maybe like 30 plus ingredients. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely on the fence because like you said, we used to have protein bars and if I, if I had no option, I would go for a protein bar or a protein shake. And I, I will go for protein shakes after exercising because I feel, I feel like it's an easy, effective way to get quick nutrients into my body, spike my IGF for muscle growth, protein synthesis replenish me and it's also a guilty pleasure it's something that i associate with training i train and then i have a protein shake because it's sweet yeah. it's tasty and i think that's what a lot of people will have protein shakes and i will have protein bars because it's better than having chocolate bars and it's better than having milkshakes which i agree yeah. with yeah like like you said when we spoke about it today you said that basically if if a protein bar is the only way they can get protein in and it's instead of eating something like a mcdonald's then yes have it but if you're able to get better protein then don't like you said again it comes down to personal situation that you know if you can get better protein then then definitely do but it's better than nothing yeah yeah and i was speaking to my wife about it because she she's quite partial to a protein bar because she's one of them people that likes a treat not Mm. all the time but she'll see it and be like oh that's good because all the nice wrapping or they'll they'll have like special flavors like birthday cake and stuff like that and she'll yeah, see that yeah. as a treat and she'll want that and i'll i'll say to her yeah like go for it and and she made a valid point earlier and she said if it's not the norm if it's every so often then there's no real harm in it but if you're re- hmm. relying on it every day if it's part of your daily habitual yeah. nutrition then that's not nutrition in my mind yeah that's it isn't much. yeah, yeah. It's saying it's effectively saying that I'm going to prioritize my whatever else than than my nutrition. I'm yeah. not willing to give my dinner or my lunch the time to make sure it's nutritious. And and like you said, it could come down to that you don't you don't know. You don't know what is healthy. You've had so many people telling you, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that, that you you've got no options. Yeah. So coming back to the question, if you were to say put yourself in his shoes, you've got, I mean, is that 12 to 13 hours out of the house working a day? What would be your sort of go-to or your best idea for getting a good source of protein in? I, I, okay. I actually have one from uh, from what we spoke about before, but you go with yours go- first and I'll see if it's the same. <laughs> okay. Um, so did he, did he say anything about 
his meals? Did he say anything about like meals or anything like that? He didn't say what they were, but just said he has to prep them on the weekend. So I'm guessing if he's got to prep them on the weekend, it's something that's going to last okay. for a week. Yeah. So as we always say, it's quality over quantity. It's the quality mm. of your food. It's the quality of nutrition. And it's what's in the food. It's not, we're not worried about what the food is. We're worried about what's been done to the food. So if you can get a natural source of it, then go for that. But I would go, if I was in his shoes, I would not prep at the weekend. If I'm working 12-hour shifts, 12, 13-hour shifts every day, I wouldn't spend my weekends prepping. I would instead, when I got home from work on those days, so there's two ways I'd do it. I'd get home from work and I'd cook way more than I needed and then I'd just put them into two Tupperwares. The next day, I'd heat them up on the hob and I'd put them into two flasks, two thermos flasks, and that would be my two meals for the day and that's all I'd need. And the way that I'd structure those meals is... I would go for a protein source that I knew came from a organic or pasture-raised background or a wild background. So it could be fish, wild game, or organic meats. And then I'd normally go for a probably sweet potato or with veg or a salad. And that's what I'd have. I'd, I'd go for two meals a day. If I was working 12-hour days, he could get up and have his breakfast at home. And then and then from then onwards, he's got two flasks, thermos flask with two hot meals. They'll last for the rest of the day. That's what I'd go for. I would focus more on my micronutrition than my macronutrition, which means I wouldn't worry too much about the protein. I'd more worry about, am I getting magnesium, zinc, selenium, calcium copper iron they're what i'd worry about especially because he's working such a long day Mm. he needs to really focus on his micro and not his macro because if he focuses for example if he focuses on his macro and he had chicken tuna something that has a high protein but low mineral and micronutrition it, it it might hit his numbers for protein for the day but his energy his concentration is cognition all the things that your hormones help to regulate will be compromised what were you what were you thinking pretty much the same i was going to say if, you, if you've been listening to previous podcasts you've got to get yourself a flask and get some meals i mean and if if people are interested if they message either of us it's up you know you can share some recipes with them it's not um it's not like a trade secret so um, yeah definitely i would say that's definitely the way because like you said like 12 to 13 hours that's that's a long day you want to be you need to be getting yourself enough um enough food enough nutrients to help your body get through that because that's otherwise it's going to take its toll isn't it that's a that's a long day so yeah so i said about doing making more than enough like whenever i i find it a waste of time if you make one meal so for example you get steak baked potato and broccoli or chicken breast baked potato and carrots that's one meal Mm. if you're doing a like I've mentioned three examples of multiple meals. You can make a risotto and have seafood in there. Make sure it's all wild, caught in the Atlantic Ocean, not farmed. You have a seafood risotto. You make that on the Monday night. Tuesday, two meals. Wednesday night, if you want it for dinner as well. And maybe even the next day. You, mm. If you make a big dish of it, that's that's three or four meals that you've made from it you've really got to focus on making i know that you've got mate might have a hard day's work sometimes i'll get in at seven o'clock at night i will literally walk into my house and go to my kitchen 10 minutes later 15 minutes later all of my food's ready it's just in the it's just in the pan 
I'll put it in a Tupperware till the morning and then just chuck it on the stove and heat it back up for the morning so it's hot so I can put it in. And a trick that I find to keep it really hot for the whole day is literally 100 mil- 170 millilitres of water. So a really small amount of water. An organic stock, chicken stock, you know, those little stock pots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mix it in with that. That will flavour flav- your meal. So if you've got something like sweet potatoes and veg and then maybe a meat like a venison mince or some offal or something like that you pour it on top it effectively submerges a lot of the food in the flask and it will keep it boiling hot so when you open it say at four o'clock that day it will still be hot so say for example he has his breakfast or he fasts he say he has his breakfast he gets up has his breakfast then at lunchtime what 12 one o'clock he eats his first meal then maybe three, four o'clock, he eats his next meal. Then maybe six, seven o'clock, he has his dinner. And then the process just repeats itself. There's no need to have snack, snack, snack. If you're desperate to have like a protein shake and things like that, just move them in and have them with your main meal. If you're worried about protein content, if you're worried about how much protein you get, if you, if you didn't allow for a lot of mints or something in your, in your weekly shop, like it starts there, make sure you prepped in your weekly shop. And then, and then, mm. if you're desperate for certain things, like you have snacky foods, like you've got yogurt or you've got a protein bar or something like that, move it into your meal. So have your, have your, have like what like we we do. Our lunches are massive. Have your lunch, have your protein bar, or have your lunch twenty minutes later, so you're still in that eating window where you've mm. already spiked your insulin. You're already you, you've already got sugar running around in your blood. You're eating within that 20 minutes and you're not eating two hours later when your blood sugar settled down, your insulin settled down, you're not spiking it again. The best way that you manage your cognition, the best way you manage your energy and your, and your body composition is to reduce the amount of times that your insulin spikes throughout the day. So mm-hmm. you don't need to be eating six or seven times, two, three times. We, me and you eat twice a day, mm-hmm. maybe three times a day. And that'll be three meals or two meals. Yeah. Because that's that's just allowing our bodies that time for, like we said, repairing, regenerating cells and tissues. I hope yeah. that covered pretty much what what you talking about. We didn't really speak too much about sources of protein, but just off the top of my head, venison, eggs, liver, Greek yogurt, fatty fish, sardines, salmon. I'd stay away from tuna just because it's protein, but it's not really much else. And it's high. It can be a lot of toxicity and concentrate on things like supplementation. People's people hammer supplementation. Like I, I'm concerned about protein bars because of the ingredients in them, but supplementation, I feel like can really make a difference. Supplementing with zinc, supplementing with magnesium, supplementing with omega three, all of those things. You think about it. In order to get your daily recommended allowance of omega three from fish, you'd need to eat. I think it's something ridiculous, like four cans of salmon or tuna a day. <laughs> really? Who who's able to do that? And you can you can have like four of these soft gels like that. If it's mm. from the best quality and it's not oxidized, and the way I check, it's going to sound gross. The way I check it's not oxidized is I take the tablets and put them in my mouth and I chew them. And if it's really potent fish, that's they're, they're rancid. If it's like mm. mild fish taste, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. So yeah, so I hope that really hit a lot of what we were talking about there. But my, the 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 four 
main protein sources that I use every single day are venison I use and offal because it's so high in minerals and vitamins. And I use Greek yogurt, eggs, and fish, uh, seafood. So that's what I go for. And I usually use seafood, things like mussels, clams, oysters, prawns, because of their zinc and magnesium profile. So it's more, I'm, I think more about the micronutrition than the macro. Yeah. And I, yeah. So that's, that's a pretty long answer for those two questions. But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> good, good discussion. I think, I think my yeah. two little points to add on the end from, from what you said was one would be definitely, if you're restricted on time in the day, then definitely planning ahead is yeah. key like you said like you walk in into the day and you know what you're going to cook so that's why so if you get home and you've got to run through the cupboards and try and find it's going to be a lot yeah harder. you're right yeah definitely prepping and then the second one i'd say would obviously where you mentioned about you only want to eat a couple of times but put it all into one meal is that probably we should do a whole episode on fasting and the benefits of it of intermittent fasting because there's so yeah, many benefits so. of it so yeah. we should definitely yeah. do more of a like an in-depth episode yeah. on that because there's so much to get from it. Yeah, and and remember that the whole point of fasting, the whole point we fast is for autophagy and it's for longevity. Mm. That's the whole point we do it. Cell death. We want the damaged cells in our bodies to die. We don't want them to grow. And that's the whole point we do it. Me and you don't do it to try and get a six pack. That's not the <laughs> point. That's not the purpose of doing it. Like we do it for the health benefits, longevity and the impact it has, the positive impact it has on our hormones. So just yeah. know that that's what we'll be talking about when we're talking about fasting. Yeah, yeah. We'll add, we'll add that to the list for an episode. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Quality. Awesome. This episode is brought to you by Unlimited Education, transformational coaching that helps you to live an unlimited life. So for me, an unlimited life means being happy, horny, healthy. However, many lifestyle factors such as nutrition, exercise, psychological stress, environmental and occupational exposures can have substantial effects on our overall health and well-being. This not only keeps us stressed and tired, but accelerates our rate of aging and limits our life in the process. Unlimited Education offers a cost-effective, priority-driven blueprint that will guarantee success. In order to try this app out for free, just click the link in the description below, uh, ingrain healthy habits, and create consistency in routines. Try it out. So next up, we're going to talk about passive income. It's all you now, yes. so I've done all my talking. <laughs> You're talking about <laughs> breather. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, uh, we're just going to kind of roughly go again. I think, I think what we'll probably do is like we'll maybe dedicate a whole episode to kind of diving deep into these different sections but we've yeah. kind of mentioned passive income a few times what what is the point of passive income like for people that really have never heard that word or term before just go over like what's the point of it why 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 is that the goal yes yeah, so i mean obviously passive income is not just exclusive to crypto there's many forms you can have, but passive income essentially means you're making money while you do nothing. Obviously, you have to do something originally, put stuff in place or get stuff set up. But basically, it means that whatever that is, 
that project or that business or that investment it's making you money while you sleep while you sit by the beach while you do nothing and that is such if you could find an avenue of it it's such a powerful thing because it frees up your time so much you say you know I'm going to take a week off work and and have a holiday because even when I'm on holiday I'm still making money so it just frees you up so much so that that's kind of the, the goal of a lot of the things I think I think that's the point isn't it it's it's almost you're freeing up that time so that you're not doing nothing with it because you're probably going to generate even more income but it's like gives you that time to create that space yeah exactly it just gives you that freedom doesn't it you're not and you're not so much living you know paycheck to paycheck which a lot of people are you can have something even even if it starts off really small and it starts even if it's you know it's a hundred pound a week extra that starts to grow and then you reinvest it and it's 200 pound a week extra and uh, you know 200 pound a week extra is you know just under it's probably between 800,000 a month that's that's a decent amount of extra money to have you know for the average person so good yeah not to be sniffed at so it's just um yeah it's a kind of thing that we that we're kind of aiming at and looking to do through different ways crypto is one of the ways I mean there's other ways too but that's kind of the overview of it so there's quite a few different sections that you can do and obviously like every investment in and out of crypto and everything you do there's there's risk attached so through all of it it's risk versus reward again you've always got to think you know it's a risky investment but the returns could be massive and you might be willing to take that risk someone else might say no i'm going to go for a safer one that's a lot less return, but it's safer. So you've always got to bear that in mind. Nothing is, if someone tries to sell you something, especially in crypto, but in anything as being risk-free when it's some kind of investment as <laughs> income, then don't believe them that I wouldn't go anywhere yeah. near that investment because none of it's risk-free. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't exist. So the most basic one is um, staking. And well, single-sided staking so it's referred to sss so that is where you're just staking one coin because when i talk about staking i mean with just one coin but you can stake lps which is um like two coins you when you provide liquidity for two coins in a pair you get lps which you can stake but that's more like yield farming so i refer to staking as single-sided staking but that's what we mean um, so basically that's kind of like a savings account kind of you take a load of coin you've got some of coin a and it's it's a long-term hold you, it's just going to be sitting there um, but there's a platform where you can take coin a you've got a thousand of coin a you can go put that into this platform leave it there for a year and you're going to get however many X percent return on it. And it's just a really simple way. And like I said before, when we spoke about it briefly, you can get incredible returns on that against uh, real life, uh, like banks and stuff. So you can get hundreds of percent return. And even for like stable coin, we talked about stable coins, you can get returns on them of you know up to sort of 20% which is a good return considering that a stable coin is essentially it, it tracks 
you know, the stable coins track the dollar. So essentially it's, you're, you're staking real money almost and you're getting 20% returns, which is unheard of um, in the real world. So there's a few um, stable coin staking platforms, which are good. Um, so there's 100 Finance is one. That's on a couple chains. Uh, so most of these are Ethereum and then others. Ethereum, we talked about it before, as did the chain of all the smart contracts. So it's on Ethereum, Phantom, Harmony, Arbitrum. There's Yearn Finance. That's quite a big one. That's on, again, Ethereum, Phantom, and Arbitrum. Um, Anchor Protocol, that was actually Coin of the Week uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and and Um, Anchor Protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's based on uh, Terra, which is, in fact, uh, Luna, which is the currency of Terra, was Coin of the Week last week. Um, So that, that chain's been doing quite well. And actually, it's just only very recently, last day or so, they've just moved onto the AVAX chain as well. So they're now on that and they're going to be expanding to a few more chains. So on Anchor, that's, I know on Anchor Protocol, you can get 19.5% returns for stablecoin, which is which is good. Um, and then there's platforms where you can stake altcoins as well. Obviously, the safest bet is stablecoins because you know that the value against money is not going to go down against fiat. So they're like the safest bet which is why they give you slightly lower returns than the others, but it's still good returns. And then if, if you want to stake others, like I say, you can get a few hundred percent, um, even more than that. But your risks there are that the value of the coin plummets, in which case you could get a thousand percent return across a year. But if the coin absolute plummets, you could still end up with less money at the end of the year than you started <laughs> with. So you have to be careful with things like that but because it's only one coin you're banking on it's the safest kind of way of having that passive income yield farming so on exchanges when you buy a coin like let's just say on binance if you want to buy a coin there'll be certain liquidity pairs so say you want to buy bitcoin there will be btc to BUSD, BTC to BNB. And so each coin will have a pair. So for example, a coin on the Binance Smart Chain, it will be paired with BNB. So like Floki to BNB, Teams to BNB, whatever it is. On Ethereum, it's Ethereum's the other one. So when you provide liquidity, you take, it's always 50-50. So say I wanted to do some yield farming for just, a random coin on the Binance smart chain. So I will take 50%. So let's say it's worth the same as BNB just for the argument. So I'll take 500 of the coin, 500 of BNB. I stake them on the platform and it gives me LPs, which I can then farm um, to get my returns. One of the risks of this is uh, impermanent loss, uh, IL, they have for sure, if you see it somewhere, which is where when you create your liquidity pairing, when you provide the liquidity, you're doing 50-50. If between 
you doing that and you coming back to redeem it. So when, when you're done farming, you come back, you break your pair in half again and you take your BNB and your coin and you go. But if the price of the two coins say against each other has drastically changed, then you can end up getting less back than you put into your liquidity pair. If you've made a good amount of farming, then you should still be in profit, but impermanent loss is something that you need to be aware of. And it's more complex than how I've just described it. That's kind of a... Impermanent loss. I've never heard of that. Impermanent. Yeah, it's called impermanent loss because... I guess it's impermanent. (laughs) I guess because, I mean... I guess because if if the pair say they went really down, they could come back up. And then if you waited till they were back up to break your LP, you, you wouldn't lose. I don't I don't actually know the definition of why it's called that, but it is something you should be aware of if you are doing that kind of that kind of farming. And there's what, tons of platforms you can do that. What's so what is the benefit from their side from you staking? Um so well, with staking, I think the main benefit that they have is that if you stake your coins, you're not selling. And the only way that price goes up and down of coins is buying and selling. So if they're offering really good returns for staking, nobody who holds that coin is going to be selling. So therefore, yeah. the price of it stays high. And more people then buy in because they're like, well, that's doing really good. And it's yeah, yeah. taking rewards. So they buy in. The the liquidity providing, the benefit of that is that th- this is something that will come up on my guide to researching coins. Because liquidity is something to be aware of. I wasn't, I was aware of, but didn't really know the importance of liquidity for quite a while. And when I was in crypto, no one really mentions it, talks about it. But basically, liquidity is when when someone makes a coin, let's say it's on Binance Smart Chain, they make a coin, they list it on the Binance Smart Chain. So it's going to be available to buy on PancakeSwap originally, because it won't be on centralized exchange at first. On PancakeSwap, they will be provided a liquidity pool where people buy and sell from. So that liquidity pool will be half of the coin, coin X, and half of BNB, because that's its pair. Now, as people buy and sell, that's going to change. So as if people come in and buy up a load of the coin X, so they buy up 50% of that coin. So obviously you start with 50-50. If they buy up 50% of that coin and they're paying with BNB, now you've got 75% BNB and only 25% of that other coin. So that makes the price of the coin. The coin is then worth more BNB because it's there's much less of it against BNB. But if coins have low liquidity, the price can change drastically from just one or two transactions. So that's why you need to be wary when buying new coins of liquidity. If they've got a lot of liquidity, that's good because even if one early investor with a good amount decides to dump all their coins, the price is only going to be slightly affected. If if a coin has really low liquidity, one person dumping could take that coin to zero. And that's something you have to be aware of. So 
their benefit from you providing liquidity is that you're making that liquidity pool bigger and bigger, which makes the coin stronger. So that's the benefit they get. And the benefit you get is the, the returns. Yeah. Quality. So again, it's, it's, it's slightly more in depth and we can get into it more in depth and look at places where you can do it. There's a lot of farming ecosystems we can look at on, a, on another episode. Take too long on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there's just another couple of ways as well I'll quickly go over. So one is nodes or nodes. They call it NAAS, which is nodes as a service. And it's kind of a slightly complex one in the fact that the majority of these node services aren't actually providing nodes or you're not actually purchasing a node. A lot of them, it's kind of a symbolic thing. They call it nodes as a service because people know what a node is. So nodes essentially validate transactions on the blockchain. So they're essential to running the blockchains. And if people run a node, you're rewarded for it. So a lot of these protocols, some of them do own nodes themselves, but the majority of the time when you buy a node, you're not buying a real node, if that makes sense. <laughs> so okay. with them mostly, with a lot of them, you will, you'll buy a node. So Project X you have to buy 10 tokens and that will give you one node. But when you invest your 10 tokens, they're gone. So you're not gone, but you won't see them again. They're gone. So they go into the rewards pool and the liquidity pool to strengthen uh, that project. And then over time, they're paid back at say 1% a day or whatever. And then you can either, when you get to 10 tokens, you could compound it into a second node. So now you're earning double or you can take your investment. The risk and downside is that you don't know how long that project's going to last. So if you're getting a a 1% a day return on it, you need 100 days to get your original investment back if the price stays the same. And then obviously, if you want to grow it longer after that, you don't know how long it's going to last. So they're good long-term passive income. You can build them up, you know, especially if you can get in early to a project and get them cheap and you can get quite a few nodes build up and compound them, that they can be good. But with those things, you don't know exactly how long they're going to last. So there's things you have to be aware of. And some of them, they don't, not all the exact same reward rates. Some of them might offer higher rewards than others. Is it like a daily reward? Yeah. So you earn, say, so with a lot of them, you buy 10 tokens, which buys you a node, and then you get 0.1 of a token a day. So each 10 days, you'll get one token. Oh, nice. You could could claim and sell at any point. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it's, you know, depending on price. If If you buy the nodes at day one, and by day 100, the price is halved, you've actually got to wait another 100 days to get your investment back because it's now only worth 50%. So there's risk involved, but there's good rewards when it goes well, especially like if you get into a project early, the actual value of that token could 10 times, 20 times while you're holding it. 
So suddenly, instead of taking 100 days to get your investment back, you get it back in 10 days. Because it's not so much. And, and then it's, you know, the rest of it you earn is almost free to you, like free money. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. And then there's probably the last one I would say is kind of a newer one, which is um, FAAS, which is farming as a service. So obviously we spoke about yield farming, but there's, there's quite a few coins now where essentially what they do is they do the farming for you on a mass scale and all the holders of the coin get the rewards. So they have a treasury. Everyone, when you buy the coin, it builds up the treasury and they invest that into farms to get you know, huge returns. And then for holding that coin, you're rewarded a certain percentage of the rewards based on how much you hold. So it's like doing the farming, but without having to do it. But obviously, okay. I, guess, I guess you would get a lower return than farming yourself, but it is still giving you a return and you're not actually doing anything other than holding the coin. So that's probably, again, that's a pretty good one. Again, obvious risks are that the value of the coin goes really low for you to sell. Another risk with that is coin, a coin or project rugging or something yeah. because there's a high, um, some of them have got millions of dollars in their treasury. So, you know, that's very tempting to some people <laughs> to, to maybe uh, just disappear with that and instead of farming it. So there's those yeah. risks involved, but it, it's if, if you want to be farming but you don't want to do it yourself, then that's a good option. Is getting one like that. And how would how would people get into these different methods of passive income? Um, so you'd need to do a little bit of research on it. Again, if anyone wants to ask any questions about it, they can hit me up. Twitter, like I say, is a good place to find things like that, like new node projects and stuff. What process would they go through then to action this? Let's just start, for example, with the farming as a service. So this is just a coin. So, for example, there's one called MCC, which is multi-chain capital. So you'd do some research on Twitter. If you go on their Twitter, you can go onto their site, which explains the size of their treasury, what they do, what kind of returns you get, all this stuff. You might say, you know, I think that's a good investment. Mm-hmm. You then just look. The best thing to do with coins is if they're on CoinGecko, if they're super early, they might not be. But if they're on CoinGecko, go to CoinGecko and it will tell you the different exchanges where you can buy them. Mm-hmm. And what you want to do is look for the one with the biggest volume and liquidity because you'll get the best price there. Okay. So, for example, for MCC, it's going to be Pancake Swap if you're on BSC. Um, I think they're also on Ethereum, which would be Uniswap. So you'll then go to that um, DEX and purchase it with some BNB or some Ethereum, and then you just hold it in your wallet, and then you will oh, nice. get your returns directly to your wallet. So some coins pay out in the coin that you buy. So you know MCC will pay out in MCC, or they might pay out in BNB, or they might pay out in BUSD, but it will automatically come to your wallet. Some things you have to claim from there side but mostly pays it directly to your wallet again with things like the nodes you want to research them have a look into it if you think you do want to do it again look on coin gecko see the best place to buy the tokens then you're going to go and buy the tokens go to the the app of whatever protocol you're using 
And on there, they'll have you connect your wallet and then it will say, make a node. You make your node with your tokens and then you can go back and check it each day if you want to, or <laughs> you don't have to check it each day. Yeah. Because it's yeah. Up. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Stress. whenever you want, whenever you want to, you just claim and then either compound it to a new node or you can go and sell that for your profit take it out then again with the yield farming and the staking it would again be a case of researching the protocols and seeing which one you like which one you want to go for then seeing what they use so let's say for example it's stable coin staking you look at which stable coins they use decide which one you want to stake and then purchase some of that stable coin you go to their d app just stake most most of them are flexible staking which means you can stake and withdraw anytime you want some protocols will have an option of locked staking which is where obviously as it sounds like (laughs) you lock it for a longer period of time which normally will get you better returns but obviously comes with more risk because if you lock it for three months if you suddenly desperately need to take it out halfway through you, you can't yeah. So you, you can weigh it up on that. And then with, with farming, again, it would be a case of where you want to do it, what LPs you need to use for that. One of the ones I use is on the Phantom chain. I farm Phantom and Tomb on, on the Tomb app. So I had to buy some Phantom, swap half of it for Tomb, create an LP, then on the Tomb app, I stake my LP to earn rewards. So you just, depending on which one you want to do, you're going to get the coins for it, do it. And then definitely, especially with things like yield farming and staking, even even with nodes, to a point, you do want to keep regularly on top of it because as we say, there's risk involved and you want to just be on top of if things change. So say you're staking a coin and it suddenly, you know, it starts plummeting the value of it and you think that it's not going to recover. You would get that out and sell it off as quick as you can to make some money. You might want to break your LP because you're not confident in one of the coins anymore. Take your money. If it's a node platform and you think it's on the downer, you could again take your rewards, sell them quick before the price drops too much. So you always want to stay on top of things in that kind of realm. I think that's pretty much a rough overview of the different ways you can make your passive income and say we'll definitely need to do some in-depth guides on that and uh, some episodes and maybe walk people through a bit more of how they can get involved with them and some good examples. That's good though because it's better than people just thinking if, if they're not into crypto they just assume that it's just buying and selling coins when there's so many different methods of earning money when it's not just the long mm. haul it's not just the short term but it's also like you said the passive income being clever with the 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 way that you invest in crypto which is good yeah yeah i think i'd say there's probably there couldn't be more but i'd say there's probably three main types you can make your money in crypto which would be investing long term buying coins hoping they go up uh, trading which is buying and selling coins um, more short term or 
long in and short in and stuff on exchanges, which is a completely other topic we'll get into at some point. That's a bit more advanced. Yeah. And and then your your DeFi, which is your farming and, and all that and the passive income. So you've there's different ways you can make money depending on what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Here at RD Services Executive Bedrooms, we pride ourselves on giving our clients a premium service and work closely to deliver bespoke luxury bedrooms. Whether it's freestanding bedroom furniture, fitted wardrobes, walk-in wardrobes, or entire dressing room fit-outs, we can give you the bedroom of your dreams. Please don't hesitate to contact us by email, phone, or on our social media to arrange a free quotation. Right then, from here, should we go into some crypto news? Yeah, let's do it. There's, I mean, crypto news is absolute bang in the last few weeks, and it's been a busy week. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of um, crypto news. So, yeah, I one, well, the first one we actually already covered it in in the Anchor Protocol has moved to AVAX. So, <coughs> Anchor Protocol is quite a within the crypto world, pretty well known. It's that's the first other chain it's moved to is AVAX, and they're going to be expanding to a couple more. So that that's reasonably big news there. Ukraine this week legalized crypto, passed a new law to legalize it, which is, oh, nice. which is good. Unsurprising considering they've been donated a couple hundred million <laughs> in crypto. <laughs> so no real surprise that they've suddenly legalized it. That's <laughs> but, fair enough, yeah. But you know, it's 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 good, and it? it's it, all of the adoption and stuff is good. So yeah. we've also got uh, South Korea elected a new president very recently who's very pro crypto so he is going to bring in some new regulations to help crypto to expand and to push it forwards so that's again another another good thing elon musk was uh interviewed the other day and he was actually asked about i think he was maybe being asked about the current economic situation and he basically said that, you know, in bad economic times that like that we're in, having physical assets is a lot better than holding cash. And he went on to say that basically he would not be even considering selling his crypto. So he owns Bitcoin, Ethereum and Doge. And, and he said basically he's not selling. So that that pushed crypto up a bit because anything he tweets or says about it is um, gets a response. So he was basically saying he thinks it's a good investment. That's good. That's um, quality. Then the other day, there was a vote in the European Parliament about banning uh, Bitcoin mining. So they talked about it a while and it apparently wasn't going to be voted on. And then they changed the wording and it was going to be voted on, which they were basically saying that it uses too much energy and they were going to ban it, which would have been bad. Um, I mean... Crypto and Bitcoin would have recovered. Bitcoin mining has been banned in tons of places um, and it carries on. It recovers or it just moves somewhere else. Um, <laughs> so it would have got on, it would have got past it, but the fact they voted against it was was a good thing, a, a positive, even though I don't think them banning it would have been a huge thing. In fact, sometimes places trying to ban stuff actually seems to have a positive effect on the markets like people in yeah. crypto think well if you're going to try ban us we're going to we're going to buy even more of it you, you yeah. can't ban us yeah exactly 
Um, also, there was <laughs> the FOMC met in uh, the US about interest rates. So they talked about raising them. There's going to be interest rate hikes throughout the year. But originally it was, they were talking about a 0.5% increase, but due to the economic climate kind of tightening itself, it was only a 0.25% increase, which people kind of knew anyway, but it's also kind of a good thing for crypto. Essentially, interest rates going up is bad for everything, really. Okay. I mean, crypto might be less affected than some other areas, but it's not really good for any economy. So it going up less than it originally was talked about is probably a good thing. And then the last thing, which again is another positive thing, is that Ethereum, which is the main chain with smart contracts on, they have been, you know, I think it's been years, like a couple of years, they've been moving to Eth 2.0, which is currently they use proof of work for the chain which is the same as Bitcoin. So that requires quite a bit of energy to mine it and is one of the reasons their gas fees are high and they're moving to proof of stake, which is a different way to validate the blockchain, make sure transactions are real, nothing fraudulent, and it uses a lot less energy and, and it will should make gas fees cheaper and will make it more environmentally friendly in that it's less energy to mine it. So they've successfully merged the systems together on the test net. So that means that we're a big step closer to it going live, which probably will be um, a positive boost for crypto. Crypto news, that's it. Crypto news, done. Tick, tick that box. Next, we have the coin of the week. Yes. So, coin of the week this week is going to be Monero. Monero, or XMR, which is what its ticker is, it is what's called a privacy coin, which recently they've been a little bit of a kind of a trend, maybe you could say, towards them, based off of the fact that with what's gone on recently in terms of in Canada and then in Russia trying to freeze accounts on exchanges and all that kind of stuff it's privacy coins have seen quite a boost because how they work obviously the name gives it away is they're private so on when you hold bitcoin ethereum and others it's on the public blockchain so people can see they can track the wallet that has it. They can see what it's got. With privacy coins, you can't see it. So if someone was wanting to track your money, if you had a privacy coin like Monero in their wallet, you wouldn't be able to track it. So a lot of people okay. are deciding that actually, if they're going to be able to freeze people's accounts and try and seize wallets, I don't want them knowing what I've got. And so... yeah. yeah. A lot of people have been kind of, so that's kind of a little bit of a trend that's emerged recently. So over, over the last sort of two weeks, 
or so. Monero has, has done quite well. It's been in an upwards trend and that's kind of a, a trend at the moment. So I decided I would make it our coin of the week. So this episode is brought to you by NFT. We've just launched a new company called NFT, and um, that's N-F-T-E-E, and we are designing premium customizable t-shirts shipped right to your door at the fraction of price of traditional shops. I'm sitting here in my very own NFT, and the quality is superb. You can pick your color, your design, and your size from our library of NFTs, um, and you can effortlessly upload your very own NFT to show off to your friends. Also, if you choose a design from our store, and you purchase the t-shirt, you will receive the free NFT of that design. So if you have your own NFT already, you can upload this in a JPEG or a PNG in our submission form below, and we will send you a link to buy within 24 hours. You'll be impressed with the quality and price and probably live in it like we do. Shipping is cheap and fast, so check it out. Have a look. Even if you're new to NFTs, um, there are lots of styles to buy from our store. And remember, Every single t-shirt that you buy from our store uh, comes with a free NFT. Check out the link below. So I only do of the week is going to be cook more. Cook more often. That's what cook it is. More. So That's a good one. Convenience food is so nutrient void. It's hardly got any nutrition. The processing basically strips all of the nutrients and minerals from the foods and then the ones that they refine foods with by adding in all these vitamins and minerals that you'll see on the labels are just poor substitutes of the real versions so if you can source your food yourself prepare like you posted the other day it's all about preparation if you fail to prepare then you're going to fail yeah so at the weekend prepare prepare to fail yeah, yeah. If you at the weekend make a list of what you're going to need to ensure that you meet your nutritional requirements for the week, have an idea in your head of what you're going to cook for each day before you go out to prepare. Even if you sit down with your partner, speak to them and decide what they like to eat, how you can get nutritious foods into your diet, how you can get nutritious foods into your meals. My partner, for example, she doesn't go to the gym. She's not really into fitness and health, but she eats really well and she eats well based on her likes and dislikes. She doesn't eat well in regards to like what you said, what people assume about me. Does Ryan ever eat anything healthy? Oh, he doesn't do that. She gets that constantly at work because she's slim. She's got good hair, good nails, good skin because she's nourished. And they'll say stuff to her like, oh, you wouldn't eat that. Oh, you don't eat that and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's not because she's eating... 900 calories a day she's (laughs) effectively probably in around about 2000 calories a day for a five foot seven stone woman like and with a baby in her at the moment maybe she's even eight stone um so we'll sit we'll talk about what we like and what we dislike about the week before and it's almost like a choose do review process you choose the meals you do them you see if you like them and then you either continue them or you get rid of them and if you're eating seasonally, like you should be doing, during summer, you won't be eating certain foods. During winter, you won't be eating certain foods. Like our, One of our staple meals through winter is a curry because you've always got a hot meal and it's made from scratch. The ingredients that you use a base of a curry are 
onions, garlic, paprika, curry sauce, cumin, turmeric. You make the curry paste, you put coconut oil or ghee to make the fat. You add your protein sauce, so Argentinian prawns that are sourced from the ocean or wild Atlantic salmon, or you could have pasture-raised organic lamb, whatever. That's your protein source. And then you put the coconut milk in, you put the tomatoes in, you add the bay leaves, you add the cardamom pods. That's how simple it is to make a curry from scratch. And I'm adding two packets of that lamb or two packets of that prawn because that's going to be my lunch for tomorrow. That's going to be her lunch for the next three days. That's going to be our dinner for tonight. So that's how many meals in one. That's just from cooking. We haven't got to go to the shop. We haven't got to think, what are we going to have for lunch tomorrow? We haven't got to... All of those stress and inconveniences are taken away from just one day of cooking. A bit of preparation at the weekend, sitting down and deciding what ingredients you need to make that one meal. How long is that meal going to last? My, my missus has had three lunches from one meal. So now I haven't got to worry about a lunch for the next three, three days. So if I want to make maybe a two or three portion meal for the next night, then I've only really got to worry about our dinner for tonight and my lunch tomorrow because her lunch has already been made from the Monday and I'm not spending my whole Sunday prepping. And it's just making informed decisions and preparing in advance for what you're going to do. And and it can also mean going on Amazon and buying two thermos flasks, buying four thermos flasks, whatever whatever you need for your situation and just ensuring that when you leave the house, you're adequately prepared for your day of nourishment and you're not going to go hungry and you're not going to go to convenience shops and you're not going to reach for that protein bar or chocolate bar or rubbish sandwich or pasty or whatever. It's just, it's making sure that you're in charge of your nutrition by the quality ingredients that you eat. And that's, and that's a simple thing. Minimal effective dose of the week cook. And it could be just be cooking once a day. The, the, like I just mentioned there, that's one I cook once a day. And then I reheat in the morning for the for the top for the flasks. That's it. Easy. Yeah, and even at the week weekend, you can still get away with cooking once. You cook your lunch mm. and you cook your dinner at the same time. Some yeah. people are like, oh, but I can't. I couldn't eat the same thing twice. If you're hungry, you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you physically <laughs> can. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's a nice, quick, easy, simple one. It, it goes with the theme of of the podcast. Um, yeah, and then we'll finish off with just our online resources. I know we keep banging on about them, but they are slowly, our library, our online li- library is slowly growing. We've got plenty of health and wellness ebooks that are up. If you're really concerned about improving your micronutrition profile and your nourishment, there is a book online, ebook. I think it's like five pounds. It's nothing. It's like 32 pages of that ebook called nourish and it will go through pretty much all we just said in a lot more detail and a lot more diagrams broken down images information on what minerals and vitamins are contained in each food so you can put prepare your meals and put them together and we've also got like you were mentioning some guides and some walkthroughs for the all the ideas that you spoke about regarding crypto yeah yeah so i'm in the process of doing some so there's an nft one up and there's um, a basic beginner's guide, just basic. If you're starting out, you don't know about anything to do with crypto, but you want to get involved, then uh, there, there's a beginner's guide part one, which is up. 
um, and I'll be doing a part two and also doing some on coin research on passive income and farming and things like that just plenty of guides just to kind of give people an idea on how to navigate everything because like I say there's not really a lot out there you you can find some maybe youtube videos some people on twitter will share some decent threads but there's not a lot to just as a beginner kind of guide you so that's what we're doing with both health and wealth is from both sides trying to just guide people starting out get them set up the right way so that they can start to do the things for themselves yeah quality Awesome, yeah, we'll check those out. All the links are going to be down in the description below. And, and we until... should have the website up too, because, of course, we, we said on the last podcast it should be up by the weekend, which it wasn't, but it should be up by this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely be up sometime in your lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye on our socials, because we will make sure that all of the updates are, are, are kind of shared on there so that you know yes. what's happening when and stuff. Yeah, cool. yeah. Definitely. Right then. Thank you very much. Good. See you next time. See you later. Thanks so much for listening to the episode, guys. Remember, everything we spoke about is linked below in the description. Be sure to have a look at the NFT website. Be sure to have a look at Unlimited Education. And give us a rating. Subscribe. This will help us to reach a wider audience. And any questions that you have that you want us to discuss in our next show, just comment them in. And we'll look forward to seeing you on our next show.